Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, I'm Brian Hyatt and this is Rolling Stone Music Now. I think we have a really good episode ahead for you. Uh, we're plunging into the unknown, but I think it's going to be a really good episode. Um, we have Brittany Spanos here from Rolling Stone. We have Andy Green here from Rolling Stone. And we have Rob Sheffield. Welcome, Rob. Thanks for being here. Hello. And thanks to you guys, too. You know, the, you, the, Rob is, is not here as often, so I'm, he gets a thank you. <laughs> he gets oh. the first thank you. And okay. in a minute, we're also going to have a non-Rolling Stone writer, uh, but a very respected and excellent critic, Stephen Hyden, who I think is here. Hello, Stephen? No? Yeah. Hey, man. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. So the thought was uh, we were going to talk about whether rock is dead. We were going to have a vicious argument slash uh, reasoned debate slash friendly discussion. Be- before we do that, we did have uh, some urgent breaking news, which is that there's a new Katy Perry song. And I think discussing that will actually prove the point that rock is dead. But I, Brittany and I have been talking about this song because... It, it's it's extraordinary. It's called "Chain to the Rhythm." Chain to the Rhythm, and uh, Rob's first thought was that it was S and M themed. A very reasonable thought, uh, just based on the title. It turns out to be something altogether different. But the funny part is that we're not sure what it is because the lyrics are so intensely what. They're very like straightforward pop. Like turn up the music. This is your song. Dance, dance, dance to the distortion. Like except it's, it's very, a critique. But yeah, it's like a social critique about like distraction and about like fake news, according to an L.A. Times article. I, I, I just don't think so. But it, but it's you know turn it up. It's your favorite song. Dance, dance, dance to the to the distortion. Turn it up. Keep it on repeat. Stumbling around like a wasted zombie. We think we're free, and it's like whoa. She's turning it all around. So we're we're just not sure. It's I think the message of the song is music is bad and turn off the song. <laughs> but also buy the song. But, but also buy this song. <laughs> so it's a ama- an amazing moment. I, I don't I don't know. But Andy, you love this song. That's. <laughs> I enjoyed, I've heard it twice. I paid no attention to the lyrics or anything. I couldn't recite one of them. I'm a Katy Perry fan. As am I. I played it back to back, which I rarely do, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. It is no teenage dream or anything, but that's a very high bar to climb. I, I just thought mm-hmm. it was a very fine pop song. I will say, I, you know, I, I am a Katy Perry fan, and actually one of the things I noticed spending time with her is that she actually is very smart, and I think it's possible this song is too smart for me lyrically because I'm not sure <laughs> what the hell she's talking about. I'm going to be real. I, I know she's very upset about something and that she feels she's sort of hectoring us to not enjoy ourselves so much while giving us an enjoyable pop song. So very interesting. Um, so we'll, we'll see. And, I, you know, and Rob, I don't know if you want to share your opinion on, on this. Song. Well, it's, it's, it's very like that, uh, that Prince song on Love Sexy, Dance On, where he's, he's talking about, you know, like the impending apocalypse, political and you know prince spiritual uh and and that all we can do is is dance dance you know dance on dance on and yet we're bringing on like more of this madness by dancing on just yet another Katy perry prince affinity (laughs) (laughs) will the similarities never stop um anyway i love her (laughs) yes what's i as do i um so 
Anyway, rock, dead or not. <laughs> what I mean, it's so Stephen uh, has actually addressed this. I think a lot of times on Twitter and then also in a recent essay that was very interesting. Um, and, and Stephen, your, your argument is that rock is doing fine. In fact, that it's in great, great shape. Well, you know, there's a lot of shade to this argument or debate. I mean, I think when people talk about rock being dead, what they're talking about is that there's no sort of singular figurehead band like a Nirvana or a Guns N' Roses or even like a band like The Strokes or something that you can point to and say, this is rock music, this sort of represents what it is. Instead, there's like a couple dozen bands like that. And none of them are as popular or as famous as like a Beyonce or a Taylor Swift. They all kind of exist like in a middle class of artists that aren't in that 1%. Um, But I would argue that rock is maybe the only genre left where there is a middle class, where you could actually like make a good career playing clubs and theaters and, uh, you know, halls. Um, That doesn't seem to exist as much in other genres. So, again, there's no top. It's not top-heavy, but there's a big middle class. The other exciting thing, I think, right now, I I think the story of rock music in this decade is that um, the sort of old structure of it just being, like, white guy guitar music, basically, um, has been dismantled. I mean, there's... Uh, it's definitely being led by women, I think, at this point. Women are, have played a much bigger role, I think, uh, in rock music. And also, you know, there's many more artists of color, there's many more gay artists, lesbians, transgender artists. Um, I think that's really exciting. Um, so that's what makes me have hope. Um, but yeah, as far as rock being pop music, mm. it's kind of hard to argue against that. That that's yeah, not, you're yeah. not seeing, unless, and, you know, there are bands like 21 Pilots, in the 1975, you know, that uh, are playing arenas and are new bands and have hits. Um, but, you know, are they rock bands or are they pop bands? You know, it's sort of a nebulous thing. I mean, I think there's another argument to be made here that for younger people, these distinctions maybe don't matter, really. You know, mm-hmm. that it matters maybe to someone my age, you know, who came up at a time when genres are maybe a little bit more narrowly defined or kind of strictly defined but I don't know if you're if you're 14 and you're used to having access to everything and you're used to listening to music on playlists versus albums you know playlists that have all types of genres in there it doesn't matter what what rock is or what hip hop is or what R&B is I mean I don't know it, it seems more fluid sure now so, you know so okay so so that's so I, that's a good sort of opening statement from from Steven um Andy <laughs> Andy, please uh, please share your thoughts on this subject. Well, I don't totally disagree completely. What I do want to say is I think the past 10 years has not been a great time for rock. I, I personally have not heard a lot that's evolved the music in ways that I feel is very interesting. Mm-hmm. And I just think there's never been a time in rock history where it's been less a part of mainstream culture. And to me, rock is essentially is often a part of real mainstream mass culture. When it shrinks down the way it is, there's, it's less grand and thus less important to the world at large and to me in some ways. Fair enough. Uh, Rob? I guess my question is, what, what is the argument that rock is dead? I'm not, 
I haven't heard that one well, in a while. Well, I, think, I think and I think I think Andy was attempting to make it. I, I, think, I think yeah, the, yeah. I think to express the argument, which I, which I I could argue both ways, but to argue that it is dead would be there hasn't been a big exciting new rock band in fifteen years or so, and just the amount of new popular bands that have been formed in the past the 20 years you can count on one hand almost and it's not on the radio there's not a lot of interesting things happening just outside of the fringes and to me rock the energy is elsewhere the energy in popular music is elsewhere i mean the other the the side argument that that steven didn't make and you're not making is is that a lot of the energy and spirit of rock and roll has just gone into different sounding music that the rock stars are people like future um or you know whatever you know that that is that is that is just the rebellion and youth energy and social awareness and all the other things that you might associate with various aspects of rock star like Beyonce is the biggest rock star in the world right now in my opinion and we discussed this before and she's also in some cases literally making rock music um as the as the Grammys will correctly tell you but the that's the sense is that that is it's the sound is probably just the sound uh, the sound of traditional rock and roll is, is just fading at the way at the moment fading away perhaps so that would be an argument right. to make I don't know so I, I guess that that would be what what where well, we're coming what from. do you think Brittany I don't think rock is dead I think it is kind of like a has-been in our music culture or landscape like it's like washed up like in the idea of celebrity of how we don't we don't really we're so scared of things becoming less popular or less famous and i think rock is something that is no longer at the top of like the food chain of music anymore and it was for so long yeah and it's just mutated like i think that a lot of the ethos and a lot of the styles and a lot of the influences have gone on to influence the way that we see like we look at the way the beatles have morphed into boy bands over the years or the way that like david bowie's like you know kind of cool weird kind of alien vibe has mutated into the way that pop stars kind of changed their looks and their eras yeah yeah and i think um and like prince's raw sexuality moving into r&b and the way it's influenced decades of music now i mean i think those elements are still there and the attitudes are still there and what we think of rock but i think it's just it's sort of our very um like old school idea of what rock is is sort of washed up Right. I, yeah, it sounds like we don't wildly disagree. I think yeah. we're, we're on sort of the same page. Mm-hmm. So, I, but with Steve, yeah, I, yes, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, it's so weird, like how we define things and how that influences w- how we regard like a whole body of work, like the health of it. Like, like would you would you all consider Taylor Swift to be a rock star? I mean, she plays guitar, she writes professional songs, and she plays arenas. You know, like she has a lot of the broad strokes that if she were in the 80s or in the 90s, uh, I think she would be classified as a rock star. I feel like Rob sees her that way, right? Yeah, I guess I'm trying to understand the premise of the question. I guess if you're going to argue that Future and Taylor Swift are not rock stars, then you could say, like, rock is is not happening. But I, I don't think there's ever been... Uh, a period in rock history where rock was just one genre of rock uh and and so i i, I mean i, I think, think it's, it's always been evolving and mutating and that's the sign of life to me I, the I, fact that future and taylor swift are rock stars that you know there there weren't rock stars specifically like them in 2005 or 1995 or 1985 much less 1975 that 
you know, there are new forms of rock stardom and, and rock music all the time. Well, I think part of it is, and I think the furthest poles are where sort of Andy is and where Rob is, where Andy sees rock as a more specific thing, as a sound, as a, as a genre rather than a spirit. And he's, he see from that perspective that the, the idea of a band and, a, you know, it, 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 it certainly shouldn't and doesn't have to be a bunch of white dudes. It should be, you know, a, a, you know, it, 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 that's not and, and never should be the, the way we see it. But just the idea of that, like sort of a band where people play instruments and probably have guitars, uh, but not necessarily. And there's a certain hard to define spirit that that thing of rock qua rock <laughs> is diminishing. And I think that's where Andy sees it. Whereas maybe there's the, the other way in varying degrees, I think, and, and, whereas, and, then, and then I think Steven's position is that there's actually a lot of sort of like rock actual rock bands that are around they're just on a lower sort of stratum of fame uh and then there's this other way of seeing is like well rock is really actually an extraordinarily broad broad term sort of the way the rock and roll hall of fame actually sees it in the sense that like run dmc can be inducted as a rock act you know in a way you know and it's so there's 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 actually a lot to unpack there but i think i think rob that was my sense that you have a very broad sense of what like rock is and what a rock star can be. I, I think it's kind of always. Been, I mean, if 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 in 1963, if Gary U.S. Bonds and Leslie Gore are are rock and roll, then then by definition, Future and Taylor Swift are rock and roll now, and that they're innovating as 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 Britney said, the music is is mutating and expanding in in many ways that are new forms that we don't recognize. But that's to to me a sign of of excellent health. It's when things stop growing and become predictable that. They, they wither. I think also the underdogs of rock genres are more popular now, the way like punk or pop punk and things that have come along the way. I mean, those are, it's funny how those have had universal appeal for so many decades of, of the genres in rock, like punk and has mutated the most thoroughly to the point where like, those are the biggest scenes around the country still. Like those are when kids pick up guitars and they start bands. Like that's where they go to first. Yeah. And that, that's, that's closer to, to where, where Steve, yeah. what Steven's thinking is that, it's it's alive, um, and, but in, in this in the underground more, mm-hmm. you know, which is interesting. I mean, the the other question is, and this is an, another way to look at it. And I've, I've I've asked like every old rock guy on earth this question over the over the years. It's like, just more specifically, will will there ever be, literally, sort of a you know a guitar based drums based rock band that is recognizable as guitar rock that will have the kind of cultural impact of a Nirvana or even of a Strokes or, or is that well, sort of form dead on that level? I mean, as like, as far as a change the world, like cover of, you know, like forefront of pop culture, like a band being as big as Beyonce, that kind of thinking, like, will that ever happen again? That's an interesting idea. I mean, I think, you know, depending on how old you are, I mean, there is a band like Five Seconds of Summer, for instance, which is, you know, I guess dismissed maybe by some people as being like but they a bubblegum band yeah. for being teenagers. <laughs> yeah. But like that band plays arenas. They have, you know, it's like tens of thousands of young people going to see that band. And I would suspect that in 10 years, like when those people grow up, People are going to talk about ten seconds of the summer, the way or five seconds of summer, the way that <laughs> they've they been promoted. They actually, yeah, 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 yeah. But no, like you know, like, you know, like how now, like like people talk about Blink One Eighty Two being this seminal band. Well, like in the late nineties, people laughed at Blink One Eighty Two. They were considered to be this sort of like fake punk band. But the people that grew up with Blink One Eighty Two grew up, and 
Yeah, I mean, I think about music, and then all of a sudden this becomes an important touchstone. So, so you're saying you're saying gradually lower, lowering standards will mean no? I'm just kidding. But Andy, what no, are you going to say? I yeah. think that the difference is that Blink had real top forty radio hits, real pop hits, and I think if I was like the summer, the vast majority of their audience are teenagers with, and they've had and they've had no songs that have really been actual well, mainstream hits. I think that's another important thing. One thing that people I, I don't think talk about enough in the context of this debate is, you know, like when we talk about old world rock stardom, in a way that was a product of like a mass media that doesn't really exist anymore. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want, if you want to talk about the, the radio, but that instance, doesn't stop like, Beyonce well, like, though. Rock radio, yeah. But like rock radio collapsed basically yes like and you know like, what I, I, let's like, let's let's, let's, let's get to yes steve i'm just going to stop i think that's we want to get into some of the historical forces but we're actually going to take a break this is uh, th- this is rolling stone music now i think the the single tensest episode of rolling stone <laughs> music now wow. uh we are we are uh, because there's genuine ideological fault lines here and, and we're going to talk more about whether rock is dead and try not to kill each other in one minute when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You're listening to Rolling Stone Music now. We have a, a major panel of super brain power with us today. Uh, Andy Green, Brittany Spanos, Rob Sheffield, and Stephen Hyden. Um, and so Brian Hyatt, who, full disclosure, is wearing a Rush t-shirt <laughs> as we have this conversation. It's a Test that for is, Echo shirt, which yes. is one of their lesser albums, but he's still wearing it. That is not to be withheld from our <laughs> listeners. It's relevant. It's relevant information. I mean, yeah. I, you know what? I should also say that I, I spent... 40 minutes last night working on, on uh, playing Guns N' Roses Paradise City on, on guitar. At this late date, I'm still trying to master it, so yeah. th- 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 this might also <laughs> right, be wrong. Right. <laughs> then you woke up and you put on your Test for Echo shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then, I, then, I, then, we, then we decided to talk about whether Rock is dead or not. Yeah. So that is what we're talking about. We're, we're talking about A whether... A very 21-12 side <laughs> one kind of debate. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It's like the elders of Syrinx on one side and like... Yeah. Young, young guitar finding Getty yeah. on the other. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I was playing by a waterfall. I was like, "What is this magic thing?" <laughs> we have no need of ancient ways, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, yes. Okay. The, anyway, so Andy wanted to make a point. Yeah, I would agree that Kanye West and Taylor Swift are rock stars. Yeah. But I don't think they make rock music, mm. and I think that's a big distinction. And I think. Rock from 19 from its inception in 1954 to ever through the early 2000s had a sonic sound to it, and it was very popular, and and it was very innovative, and it, it would evolve. 
I would argue in the past 15 years, it, it has not evolved in ways that are very interesting and has really shrunk as a cultural force in huge ways, which it's not dead, but it's not, it's in the worst shape it's ever been right now in, in its existence, I would say. Um, fair, fair enough. Wow. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Andy is starting to become more and more honest as, yeah. as the show goes I'll on. I'll say how his, I feel his now. He's, he's, coming, he's coming out. But, but I did want to address just this issue of stepping aside from debate for a second. Mm-hmm. Just There are some structural issues. Um, and, and I think Stephen made a, a, a good point that, listen, rock radio has had a tremendous decline. There is no outlet, basically, for... You know, new rock. If again, we'll have to be more specific, like sort of rock, rock, <laughs> like like as opposed to people evolve. You know, if, whether we you know declare Taylor Swift or and future rock, which I actually think there's a very valid argument. But I mean, like you know, rock bands. It's very, very, very difficult to find any place on the radio uh, to feature your songs, and I think that that does have a structural effect, and I, and I think it also means that then labels aren't focusing on it, major labels don't sign them, and then the other, and I don't think this is Stephen to get in t- into this, but I do think there's an effect when there's no longer a chance, a real chance that your songs are going to be played on the radio, you stop focusing on making sort of tight pop songs because you start thinking of yourself as something else. And I think it, it maybe has hurt, uh, you know, that, that rock, rock bands don't have that path anymore. And, and then a, a similar structural point is that there used to be this model of, it, it can be slightly different. You can see it as like a Springsteen model or REM model. The Springsteen model is you make your, you know, a couple of like critically acclaimed but semi-ignored albums and then you shoot for the fences and then you be kind of become a big star and the rem model is you make a bunch of critically acclaimed indie albums and then you shoot then you sign to a major and you make a green and you shoot for the fences now it's like the fact that there's no fences to shoot for is an inch you have to adjust your thinking and it's affected and and the and then on a related point there's all these bands in the 2000s the first decade of the 2000s who kind of tried to go for it. Um, I would give the example of The Killers. The Killers um, made a record called Sam's Town. Um, (laughs) There was once a critic for Rolling Stone who felt, who might be in this room right now, who felt that that this effort to swing for the fences actually kind of careened into a the side of a cliff and you know drop down like a, you know, it, anyway, it, 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 you know, do you, do you see what I'm saying, Rob? I mean, it, that that there is, there, if there, the paradigms have shifted in so many different ways. I mean, it, th- that's an interesting thing to talk about, sort of aside, leaving aside the issue of dead or not. But the, certainly that the, what can be done or the way things work have changed in ways that we're still kind of grappling with. Yeah, the 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 change the changes in radio and and the changes in retail both like change the whole like parameters of what a band can. Uh, aspire to be uh, as a band, and and so the the sort of the the crown that they would have been going for in 1995, you know, like get into MTV Buzz Bin and then cross <laughs> over to Alternative Nation, and then you're in like the afternoon rotation, like uh, that kind of you know, and and it wasn't a gradual change, like very abruptly 2000, like that kind of rock stardom 
is uh, written out of the industry, both in terms of broadcasting and uh, retail, because that was the year Napster happened. It wasn't a gradual change. And and so in, in the early 2000s, you get these great bands like The Killers, who are a great band, The Stripes, uh, The Strokes, uh, The Hives, all these people coming along who would have been huge five the, years the, earlier. The, the, the but, Vines, but, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, sorry. The Vines, yes, The Vines. <laughs> no, yes, The Vines, get free. Uh, like all these, like, they, they, these bands would have been so huge five years earlier, but the, the, the arena they they came to to play was was no longer there i think the the most tragic thing was i think you know that that uh, when modest mouth when Modest Mouse and Franz Ferdinand got on the radio, we now know there was a tremendous amount of paola getting them there. The, God bless that paola. I think we've, the, the fact that no one's putting any paola beyond, behind uh, alternative rock bands was, was was a huge tragedy. But I but that push, I love that push. The that that little boomlet of like sort of the OC uh, it, mainstream indie rock. That was another, yet another sort of thing that didn't quite get to where people were kind of hoping. Like I, I wrote a thing for Entertainment Weekly at the time, like the new alt rock explosion. That like all quote because we were still calling it alt rock, even though by that time people were calling it indie. You God know? bless Entertainment yeah, Weekly. Yeah, yeah, exactly, I love that. exactly. Like we wanted to call it indie, but the editors were like, no one knows what that is. Alt rock, alt rock. So, um, but like that didn't quite become yeah. alternative nation either on a mainstream level. It's just right. different. And we're talking about, about ten years ago now or more. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and what's well, that? That was the last burst of like rock rock. Steven, what were you going to say? I was going to say, can I ask, like, what is the standard for being a rock star? Like, how popular do you have to be? Because, like, when you were talking about the REM Bruce Springsteen model, um, I would argue that that has happened for a band like The National, for instance, who huh. uh, you know did not become popular really until like their fourth or fifth record. Well, well, and I would, I, yeah, I, like, I, I would kind of, I would pull a Marshall McLuhan and Annie Hall on you and say that I've, I've talked about this with The National, <laughs> and what they, uh, whoa. they <laughs> and, and, and they and they they they've said yes, I know they're very hard to get to, um, but I mean this specific issue, and and they they have talked about it with R.E.M. actually and there's this sense that they would have been so much bigger 20 years ago that that they're big and they're happy and they're upper they're in the upper middle class of the music industry but they they're very popular but they're not as popular as R.E.M. were in the late 80s and 90s but anyway go on Steven I just wonder sometimes to what degree does uh, how we look back on things distort how big things really were like as we were having this conversation I was thinking about Live at Leeds, you know, the Who live album. I, you know, I'm, I'm usually album. thinking about Live at Leeds, but yes, go on. <laughs> you know, that came out, you know, arguably in the midst of the peak of the Who, you know, they they, uh, they played Woodstock, they had just put out Tommy. You know, that album was recorded at a university. You know, they didn't play a huge stadium when they, you know, they were still touring theaters at that point. They didn't really become like this huge stadium band until like the mid to late 70s when the rock touring business had progressed to a point where bands were playing those types of things. So, like, this, I, I just think of that as an example of, like, sort of an archetypical but, classic rock band. But that we're, I, we're making all sorts of, we're making all sorts of, like, maybe, well, I don't know, kind of and, gestures as you talk. But, Andy, yeah. Well, I think that one difference is the Who had big hit singles. They had a lot of huge radio hits at that point. They were playing opera houses, like, Tommy was everywhere. Whereas the National, they're great. They have zero famous songs for the most part and most people that aren't fans of theirs have never heard of them whereas the who then were 
you know, I wasn't alive, but I think they were much they were much better known. Right? Um, but but Stephen, the point I really like that you made in your piece was the cult of popularity that is of, of that now prevails, which is that if you're not at a Beyonce level, people feel that you should be ignored, sort of, especially in the sort of online music media, right? Isn't that isn't that something you, you've kind of pointed to? Well, yeah, I mean, there does seem to be a thing now where um, you're judged sort of based on how popular you are, and that if you aren't popular, that that in some way reflects on you, that you are not making good enough music to be popular. And I, I mean, that always informs, I feel like, these Rock is Dead conversations. Like, when I was growing up, like, reading rock press, like, if there was a band like The Replacements, for instance, that wasn't selling a lot of records, there was this thing where you kind of blame the industry like well this band should be popular because they're really great and you know more people should hear them and it's, and it's the industry's fault that they're not big whereas now I feel like you know if you're not popular then that's on you you should be trying harder when in fact maybe not everything has to be huge in order to be relevant or maybe there isn't the opportunity for certain types of bands to make it because we live in a because we basically have a record industry now that is severely compromised. That's a lot smaller than it used to be. And um, simply can't promote, I think, the types of artists that they could promote maybe in these eras that we're talking about. I mean, like I have a theory, and I want to throw this out, and this could be a crackpot theory, but I feel like, in general, groups across all genres are a lot less significant now than they were maybe in the 80s and 90s. I mean, even if you look at hip-hop, for instance, the early years of hip-hop, going back to, like, Grandmaster Brass and the Furious, in the Furious Five, you know, you Run DMC, Public Enemy, uh, NWA, uh, Wu-Tang Clan, Tribe Called Quest, on and on and on. If you look at the biggest acts now, they're all solo artists. Well, it's actually, I mean, <laughs> I mean uh, Migos, Ray Schremert, I mean, there, there are things, there, there is a, a yeah, trend against like, that now, but but yes, yeah, absolutely. There are so, exceptions yeah. to the rule, but like generally, it's geared towards solo artists now. That's true, and, and I think there's economic reasons. Uh, calling in, we have Steve from South Carolina, who wants, I think wants to say that not only rock is dead, but the album is dead too. Is, is anything else dead, Steve, or or, <laughs> or is that the full no, list? <laughs> no, first of all, I, I discovered this channel in the last couple of weeks and I'm really enjoying it and enjoying your guys' show. Awesome, thank um, you. Uh, yeah, I'm a big rock guy. I love rock music, grew up with it. But no, with the, the event of basically the album and then the CD pretty much dying off, there's just not a lot. Everything's download this, free. The, the, do you think that correlates with the rock, so quote-unquote rock, rock experience? Because it used to be about listening to an album. What do you guys reference side one of 2112? Uh, earlier in your conversation, you can't reference any. Well, go listen to this CD, the first five songs of so and so CD. I think that's a big part of the of the reason we see rock rock has evolved into this snippet. Uh, and I do agree, Taylor Swift. You have to consider those people like that rock stars today. Um, but I do think that has killed off rock. If you want to call off like bands and things like that, because you don't have an album or a CD to experience. What what is your guys' take on that? Uh, that's that's interesting. Thanks thanks for calling in, Steve. We'll we'll talk about that a little bit. I mean, I think I don't know. I mean, I, I think I think there is. I mean, I think Jared Leto when I talked to him last year had a thing that basically is that that in the streaming era that people are more impatient. I don't know if it's the streaming era or just the internet era, but just that the idea of like the long intro of the FM era rock song would just drive a kid crazy. Now it's like skip ahead, like 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 screw that. Um, you know, like. 
<laughs> like John Mellencamp's I Need a Lover to, That Won't Drive Me Crazy. That has like a two and a half minute intro, to, you know. <laughs> and that would, of course, be the only reason that a millennial would not want to listen to that song. <laughs> the extremely long intro. Other than that, they love it. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I, that might be something to it. I will say on a related note, that my, my, my crazy crank theory is that the loudness war hurt rock and roll. Because the loudness war being this thing where they maximize the compression and uh, make even the soft parts really, really loud in a recording, I think it it had a particularly deleterious effect on the way uh, modern rock sounded, and, and it's this thing like like this that roar that it just becomes like a buzz of noise, like Bob Dylan said. Some so I, I think there there could be something to like that, but that is a, a very side argument that we're not going to get into. Um, but we we were talking about this point about whether that Stephen made about individual artists, solo artists, uh, or duos or whatever versus groups, and there is a trend in hip hop towards groups again. But Stephen, was your main point that it's economic that, that because of the diminished economics of the record business, it just makes more sense? Yeah, I mean, you know, if you watch any showbiz movie, the cliche is always you know isolating the lead singer and saying, "Hey, you don't need these other guys; you can be a solo artist." And I think that that's happened in pop music over the last, like, 15, 20 years. And I think that generally uh, is worse for rock music. Yeah. Hey, Brittany, you had some thoughts on Rock music is usually about yeah. bands, and I think it's just harder now to promote bands. It's just easier to focus on individual... I mean, because, like, Justin Timberlake and Beyonce were both in groups, and now they're solo artists. I think that's, like... I always think of that as kind of a defining example of that. It's easier to focus on Beyonce rather than, like as a part of Destiny's Child. Well, but there also were groups where, like, they were the only talented member. No, well, and, but, but, yeah, sorry. I think that's, like, more of, like, a pop vehicle thing. Yeah, so, but... Theory, so, could be wrong, but... Yeah. But, Brittany, what were you going to say? Yeah, I think that's definitely... There's part of it that is true, and I think that's something that we have been ignoring, too, is the way that things... The way that music gets shared in, like, teenager With teenagers and, like, millennials and 20-somethings, whatever we want to call it, um... I think that fandom is more prevalent than radio and more powerful. And I like when we had the conversation about like Five Seconds of Summer, it's, they don't have any radio hits. Or Twenty One Pilots didn't have radio hits for years. But I mean, these bands live in live on the internet. They live with the shows, with the fans, with the people going to the you know these big arena shows that they can sell out in minutes. I mean, I think that's being the groups are existing out there, and I think that the way the groups are consumed is much different. And I think that the business itself has to adapt more to our ideals of how people discover music, how people share music with one another and how people experience it, which is largely internet based. And I mean, that's how, especially like Migos and Ray Shremmer, like some of their biggest hits kind of have come from these like internet followings and these, um, memes and everything like that. Yeah, well, rock also isn't very memeable like rock and roll. But but, yeah. as, but on a on a related note, I would say that on an economic level, it's one of the reasons that rock hasn't risen commercially to the level of a Katy Perry or a Beyonce in recent years. I would say is because it requires a lot more patience in the investment that major labels used to have. Uh, that occurs to me, and they, they just they're just don't have the luxury of like signing 10 bands and one of them miraculously turns out to be the biggest in the world and you have to develop them through three long tours and and the two albums that no one cares about and then it's it's just doesn't fit the paradigm anymore and I think that that relates back to what we were saying and Andy it looked like you wanted to say something uh, just briefly touch on a previous point about groups that with 21 pilots was interesting is is, is there's just two of them <laughs> yeah and uh, neither play guitar Yet they've had huge radio hits. They're a weird exception. They're almost 
proves the rule in a weird way here. Yeah, they're a, they are a rock act on some, in some sense, even though there's nothing recognizable. I mean, they're more like a they're, they're it's there's something they're in a very strange category. They're like they, but they are clearly what's left. They're part of what's left of rock. It's rock clearly. aesthetic. Yeah, rock aesthetic. There's something they, they, you know they're like screaming and jumping, mm. <laughs> which is also rock, very yeah. popular now. I mean, especially yeah. like with merch and like styling for um, award shows or for live performances. I mean, Future bringing out a live band for the VMAs or stuff like that. Like people are kind of like doing the rock aesthetic thing. Right, just biting the rock aesthetic, yeah. or, or or bringing it into some other kind of kind of music. They, they're Andy. You interviewed them for a long time. Did they do they consider themselves rock? Yeah, and they started as a more traditional three piece rock band. It's just a member quit. I I guess they had two members left. It was just the singer. <laughs> well, they had a Pete Best. I, I didn't really. I forgot. They this. had two Pete Bests. Oh yeah. And then it was down. It was down to just Tyler. Then they, he and they he, lost two pilots. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Vinny Mad Dog and Davy Sanchez. <laughs> and when they hired the drummer, they realized that they could just make pre-recorded tracks and play those in the concerts. So huge piece of a concert of theirs. And I, I've I've seen them a lot. And the place it's it's all young people, and for two hours they know every single song. And. But most of the music is it is pre-recorded. It's a very weird thing they have. Is it also possible that the sheer horror of sort of like early two thousands mainstream rock, like that sort of era of like the seether and such, did that poison a whole generation's idea of what rock is? Is, is that did that hurt things? Like, like I mean, because it was just so bad. I mean, it just it it actually you were like, how could this get any worse? And then what sort of happened? It just sort of disappeared. It was like the next thing was just nothing as far as that like mainstream well, sort emo. of like, yeah, yeah. right. Well, of course, yeah, but but yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah uh, 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 yes, there was emo, but that, it doesn't feel like that was in the progression of of that. There wasn't. It wasn't the next post grunge. Right. Thing. It was more pop. It, it was another mm-hmm. thing. Um, and, and that was that was yes, that was another moment. I mean, my, you know, fall, you know, fall boy. Are, are a great example of like a a rock band plunging into new directions, um, and so th- I mean, that it's not dead. I mm. think that, but there's there's as Trump would say, there's something going on. Don't you think there's something well, going but, on? As, as Brittany said, <laughs> like it's 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 constantly yeah. evolving and expanding and mutating, and and I would I I I think that was an excellent point. And the, yeah. what what Brittany was saying about like the sort of like. Uh, the really simple caricature of like of, of a rock star being this one like really particular kind of rock star was something that was always if if, if I'm getting your point right it was mm-hmm. it was always kind of a fluky thing that yeah. there were always many kinds of rock stars yeah I think um, the concept of the rock stars come up a lot and I think it's kind of limiting our idea of what rock even is or even like the way we think of it because I don't think it's a real thing like it's like a, I think it was invented I feel like it our concept of it now is invented after the peak rock era like our concept of the rock star is more so based off of mythological stories and like weird things that we (laughs) have considered and movies and um characters and music and live performance and you know tales of tragedy like the 27 club and stuff like that like that that won't ever exist again yes the 27 pilots who all died at at age 27 (laughs) yes that's i'm changing the name of it now but right there's a lot of mythology but i also think what i like to do is broaden i i think that you need to broad, broaden rock looking back and and remember that you know that that Marvin Gaye was 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 making rock me you know what I mean that like I I like to to think about or or to, to remember that Funkadelic is part of rock and just I mean I, I think well if you look at the yeah, first Beatles yeah. album they're yeah. doing like 
you know, rockabilly. They're doing Motown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're doing like uptown girl groups. They're doing country moves. They're doing schlocky English movies. You know, like they're they're doing a piece of everything. And this is, you know, like it, it, it's not like rock and roll was a pure thing and then mm-hmm. it became like filter. It was always like this eclectic, messy, freewheeling. The way the Beatles heard it, just this really like expansive musical concept. Yeah, it, it's it's quote unquote impurity yeah was what made it great like that was what it was um i guess the question is and i guess from andy's position is like can something is it really infinite can you call anything you know can you and or is there really a boundary when you're like this is great but it's not rock it's something entirely different it comes from an entirely different tradition and i personally do one of the things that makes me a little uncomfortable is that old school frankly rolling stone thing where it's like to subsume to subsume hip hop into rock. It's like, well, no, I mean, yes, sometimes, but like, it's also just its own tradition that's just as big in its own right. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's and to just say, oh, it's just a new kind of rock is like, it's sort of like if I, if I, if I were a rapper, I might be like, screw you. Like, no, like I, I would like to claim this whole thing for myself and don't make me into, don't put me into your thing, you know? So um, we wanted to touch on the past a little bit or rather the sort of constant presence of rock's past. And part of the streaming era means that all of music history is available, which includes all of rock history, um, which means that you don't necessarily need new stuff for rock to permeate the culture and for even young people to be super aware of it. But Andy, what were you going to say about that? Well, it's two things. I see Nirvana t-shirts all over town on very young people. They become like what the doors were in the 80s, this obsessed over yeah. thing from before their time. And the fact that the biggest touring acts of 1975 are the same biggest touring acts of right now. <laughs> it's the Rolling Stones, it's Bruce Springsteen, it's Paul McCartney, it's the Who, that there's an endless desire for to, to, experience, the, to experience a thing that used to be in a lot of ways, that these shows are just living monuments to the past and they are enormous. And like Guns N' Roses is on the biggest tour in years right now, playing huge stadiums. Right, we were talking about how Carly Kloss, the the model who <laughs> who also pricelessly said in a questionnaire that she loves Beyonce because you know Waterfalls, that's the greatest song. You have to love her, so she thinks that Beyonce uh, made Waterfalls. And I have to say that Rob had a great. <laughs> Rob argues that it kind of does sound like Beyonce made Waterfalls. So maybe on some it spiritual sounds more level. like a Beyonce song than it does like a TLC song. There are no other TLC songs that sound anything remotely like Waterfalls. Yeah. Whereas like the Beyonce self titled album is very like Waterfalls. <laughs> sounds like it would be on that one. So and I'm arguing Carly Kloss is getting this right. Yeah. And we are just, history is just catching up to the point where she... Right. I, I, yes, I, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but I yes. had to put that on the air. But the but any, the point being, besides that, this is someone who knows so little about music, she thought Beyonce made Waterfalls, but she listed her favorite band as the E Street Band. So obviously, Rock's past is still its present, and there's... There's something going on. It's 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 very interesting, and I, I think maybe the void of new bands has allowed these now incredibly old bands to still be kind of in the forefront of what people think about as rock and roll. Uh, you know, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I think that those. Th- I don't know. I think th- things just get passed down. And I don't think it makes it necessarily like watered down for these like kind of nostalgia things to exist or for younger kids to kind of get into. You know, like. Bruce or the Stones or anything. I think that a lot of kids find genuine love for these like moments in history or these eras that they find speak to them more than now or like right. when I was a kid like the 
the disenfranchisement of Nirvana spoke to me more than anything else. And so that was like what right. I listened to but even though it was like 15 years after. But what's is interesting is the kids of the 60s, they didn't give two shits about the music of like World War One. I. I mean, there was no <laughs> desire for the... For, the past well, they back then. Music, what? They love blues. They love blues, though. Yeah. I, mean, I think True. that's the of, I mean, like, the Rolling Stones were playing, like, Robert Johnson songs. You know, yes. like, Woody, like, Bob Dylan loved Woody Guthrie. Like, yeah. Woody Guthrie was not a pop star. Andy, you just got owned on that one. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, it wasn't quite that early in 1915, but yes. I think that builds an argument that, no, like, rock is, rock is all nostalgia. Like, it's always been about nostalgia. It's always been about, like, going back to the past. I mean, just from the history mm. of, like, blues and Americana and early folk and how that affected so many of our biggest rock stars and how that continues to be today. But well, look at Elvis. The of rock music is the tradition. Like this, I, I think there's always been a push pull between, you know, drawing on roots music and preserving that, and then putting a contemporary stamp on it. I mean, that's what every rock generation has done. You could call and, it the, the the Keith Mick dichotomy, right? It's sort of that's the yeah. Yeah, it's like yeah, you take you take the blues, or you know, like we were talking about early Beatles albums. I mean, they were covering Buddy Holly songs on their early records, and, you know, there was an element of, like, we're going to pay homage to where we came from, and then we're going to take what what we were influenced by and spin it forward. I mean, that is the story of rock music. Um, I don't, I mean, nostalgia is kind of a dirty word. I feel like that always, people when people use that word, it always seems like, I don't know, there's something about it that just seems like, oh, we're, like, it's not pure, or there's something kind of nefarious about it, but I think that... To me, that's one of the, that's always been one of the great things because it's like a conversation between generations. Like this, it's, it's something that's just beyond novelty, you know. Which I think in pop music that can be a little oppressive sometimes, where it's always about the moment. There is something kind of cool about. Well, this has kind of always been here, and we're and we're building on a tradition. Yeah, you know? and with pop music, there's always that element of of time travel, and with something like you know, like the the fact that the biggest pop single of the past year is Black Beatles, a song that has no nostalgia at all for the '60s or '70s Beatles. It's I feel like a Beatle now because I'm ruling this party and I'm wearing my John Lennon lenses, and that that Paul McCartney loves this song. It's yeah. like and we'll and we'll uh, and we'll end on that with black, appropriately with Black Beatles, which does have a little bit of the day of, of the day tripper uh, melody in it. I will I will a point out bit, right? a little bit. So anyway, um, listen, this has been an amazing discussion about the state of rock. This has been Rolling Stone Music Now. Uh, come listen to us next week at 1 p.m. on Volume and download our podcast at RollingStone.com/podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. And we will see you next week. Thanks for being here. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.